Portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. Listeners, please be advised. Wherever you are, be all there. Jim Elliott. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. And this was night and day different than anything I had ever experienced. I was humbled and even embarrassed. I really felt God knocking on the door. You know, I was an atheist and I thought that science was the right way and anything else was just silly. It was just, you know, like fairy tale really is what I thought. God had a plan for my life. And I believe when we lose our life is when we find the life that God wants us to have. Hola, shalom, and jambo. I am your hardworking host, Dan Henderson. Thank you so much for listening. I once heard a pastor say that people's problems typically center around money and sex, but nobody wants to talk about these two topics. Well, today we are going there. We'll hear Anthony's story of victory over pornography addiction. And make sure to stick around till the end of the show to hear our secret weapon in fighting this horrible addiction. This episode will also feature the martyred missionary Jim Elliott story. Now I know you're busy out there, so let's get right to it. I grew up in a little town in southwest Georgia. I recognized Jesus as my savior when I was seven. Our parents sought to it that we knew Jesus. When I was 12, my dad went into full-time ministry. More of his time went to them and Looking back on it now, a common theme was a feeling of abandonment. Here my dad went into the ministry was also when I was first exposed to adult material. What Satan saw was an opportunity when dad went into the ministry to try to systematically take each one of us out. And for me, what better way to attract a man toward love than to separate him from the love of a father and then for me to find love in these images. It's a false substitute. It just doesn't work. When you repeatedly do something that you know is wrong and you can't stop, what comes is a lot of self-hatred and self-contempt. In relationships, it costs me a lot. Sin provided a short-term relief from pain. So it was almost like a narcotic. You get a little high, but On the back end, the payoff is worse. That was something that started when I was 12. I'm 39 now, and from 12 to 32, I don't don't remember a time where it didn't dominate my life. Christina, I met her on a blind date. I knew that if I was gonna be a good husband, I needed to love her real well, and there was no way this life in the shadow was going to be compatible with loving a woman like that. So we got married in 04. And that year, when we were engaged, we got involved in what began as the Young Families Ministry at Apostles. The church had started a ministry called The Path, and it was dedicated one-on-one men's mentoring. Guys who really knew who they were. I met the first guy there that I had ever heard of that had gotten freedom. And I thought, ah, well, there's one. I came back from that pretty encouraged that maybe I could change. 
Christine and I decide to try to have a baby, but eight weeks later, we, we lost the baby. I mean, how could this happen? Here I am trying to change. I'm making steps. I'm making investments. I'm spent, we're spending a lot of time in church. I still have this addiction that I can't quite kick, but I feel like may, maybe it's possible now. An older man in my life who's come to be a great friend and mentor, he looked me in the eye and said, Anthony, I don't think you have any idea who you are. And I think the only person who can tell you is Jesus. I just took the risk. The next morning, I got up early. I'm working for the government, so I have more than a little time on my hands. I start journaling. I would start my time every day with some prayer time. I was really drawn to the humanity of Jesus. There's so much life that flows out of the Bible. I remember the first time that I really heard anything from God in my journal time was, Anthony, you're my son. I love you. It's hard to explain. But two weeks into this, the addiction disappeared. And the only way that I can explain it is I started to believe the things I was hearing. Mostly what I repented of was unbelief. I hear him say, Anthony, I forgive you. You are not your sin, you're my son. And that really started changing things for me. Over the next year, Christina started noticing, hey, Anthony's different. I sat her down and walked her through the whole story. But what I experienced with Christina was no shame or condemnation. And so there's been huge restoration in us as a couple if guys would realize that their lives depended upon hearing from God regularly, they would do it. I need God like I need air. And in relationships, man, I mean, I've got a great group of guy friends now, and I don't fear men. I don't fear relationships with other women. God is telling a story a lot bigger than maybe I realized. In addiction, I didn't really think about anybody but me. And what God is about is the restoration of humanity. He does it one life at a time. I really dreaded that I was going to be an old man still trapped by this and that I was going to be living this secret life that nobody knew. I can't tell you how great it is to look in the mirror every morning and like what I see. And what Jesus has done for me has been nothing short of miraculous. He has taken a man who had no idea who he was, told him who he was, and put him back on his feet again. Now it feels like we're running together. Life is hard, but you don't have to go it alone. If you need prayer, encouragement, or just someone to talk to, Message our host, Dan Henderson, confidentially at thinktwicetv.com. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. Come see us at thinktwicetv.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Heavyweights of the Faith, brief biographies of great believers who changed the world. 
1927, Jim Elliott began his life in Portland, Oregon. His mother, Clara, was a chiropractor and his father, Fred, a minister. Jim knew Christ from an early age and was never afraid to speak about him. At age six, Jim told his mother, Now, Mama, the Lord Jesus can come whenever he wants. He could take our whole family because I'm saved now and Jane is too young to know him yet. In high school, Jim carried a small Bible with him and was an excellent speaker. He was often found speaking out for Christ. He and his friends were not afraid to step out and find adventure. One thing Jim didn't have time for in those early years were girls. He was once quoted as telling a friend, domesticated males aren't much use for adventure. In 1945, Jim entered Wheaton College. His main goal while he was there was to devote himself to God. He would start each morning with prayer and Bible study. In his journal, he wrote, None of it gets to be old stuff, for it's Christ in print, the living word. We wouldn't think of rising in the morning without a face wash, but we often neglect the purgative cleansing of the word of the Lord. It wakes us up to our responsibility. Jim's desire to serve God by taking the gospel to unreached people of the world began to grow while at Wheaton. Jim met Elizabeth Howard at Wheaton. There was a definite attraction, but Jim felt he needed to be unencumbered by worldly concerns in order to devote himself completely to God. He hoped one day to travel to foreign countries to share Christ with the unchurched of the world. He also felt he needed to share with the people of the United States. On Sundays while at Wheaton, he would often talk to people in Chicago train stations about Christ. He frequently felt ineffective in his work as the time of knowingly leading the people to Christ were few. He once wrote, No fruit yet. Why is it that I am so unproductive? I cannot recall leading more than one or two to the kingdom. Surely this is not the manifestation of the power of the resurrection. I feel as Rachel, give me children or else I'll die. In June of 1950, he learned how to study the unwritten languages of a missionary to the Ecuadorian jungle. Because of this lessons, he began to pray for guidance about going to Ecuador and later felt compelled to answer the call there. In February 1952, Jim finally left America to travel to Ecuador. In May, Elizabeth moved there also and began courtship. It was Jim's desire to be able to reach the remote and very savage Wadani tribe there and live deep in the jungles. A Wadani woman who left the tribe was taken in by the missionaries and helped them to learn the language. Jim and his missions team began to search the plain in hopes of finding a way to contact the Wadani. They finally found a sandbar in the middle of the river that worked as a landing strip. It was there that they first made contact with the Wadani. They were elated to finally be able to share the love of Christ with them. After their first meeting, one of the tribe, a man called George, lied to the tribes about the man's intentions. This lie led the Wadani warriors to plan attack when the missionaries returned. The men did return on January 8, 1956, where they were surprised by 10 members of the tribe who massacred the missionaries. Their names were Jim Elliott, Ed McCauley, Roger Yonderin, Pete Fleming, and the pilot Nate Saint. Jim's short life was filled with the desire to share God's love and can be summed up by a quote that is attributed to him. He is no fool which gives what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Special thanks to Inspirational Christians for use of their written biographies. Please visit inspirationalchristians.org for more biographies and articles. Don't keep a good thing to yourself. Share this with your friends, post it on social media, or go old school and tell them about it in person. Although Jim's story was sad, it didn't end there. 
the wives of the slain missionaries returned to the Wadani and built cultural bridges with them, even forgiving them and converting the tribe to the Christian faith. There are two very worthwhile movies about this, the 2002 documentary, Beyond the Gates of Splendor, and the 2006 drama, The End of the Spear. You can watch both of those for free on Tubi TV. Now back to Anthony's story, I know sadly from experience that porn addiction is both destructive and difficult to get rid of. That's why we made the Toolbox. The Toolbox is a page on our website. It includes everything you need to succeed against porn addiction. You can find that at thinktwicetv.com forward slash toolbox. So if this topic hits close to home for you, go back and check out episodes 7, 23, and 35. They all center around this deadly addiction and how to break away from it. Well, until next time, I'd like to leave you with this verse from John 2.17. The world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever.